Hello and welcome to the GX podcast, the world's first podcast focused on government services and their future. In this podcast, we talk about everything related to government excellence, government service design and delivery, GovTech, and citizen engagement. Join us for insightful interviews and conversations every month. Visit us online at gx.ae. Hi, and welcome to this extra special episode of GX. Now, we're continuing the conversation from the film, from the documentary to a video series right here and talking to everybody who was in the film. Today, I have with me Ot Vater, and Ot has served as the director of e-residency of Estonia. And when we interviewed Ot, it was at e-residency Estonia. And here we are. Let's catch up with Ot and see how he's doing. Ot, how are you today? Ah, I'm excellent. How are you? Doing really, really well. And GX Now, the documentary released about a month ago, January 21st. So we're almost getting to a month. We are on Amazon already. We're in uh, specific regions and the rollout is continuing with Amazon. We're on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. So the documentary has had a really great response. And so we're really, really thankful for your participation in the film as well. And to sharing that perspective that you did uh, when we talked, that was, uh, I think, early, early last year. So thanks. Thanks for all your effort and your time. It was a pleasure and an honor, Ian. Absolutely. It's been our pleasure, quite honestly, uh, to have you in the film. But I wanted to uh, ask you post the documentary now that it's already there and, and you've spent a good amount of years in uh, e-residency Estonia. You've launched so many different programs, been part of so many innovative things. Tell us about the state of government experience, where governments are generally today, as you saw in your experiences. What's happening with governments generally? You can talk about Estonia if you want. Well, in general, to start up with this bigger picture, it is very uneven and uh, it really depends on the size, it depends on the leadership, financial resources and, and other resources. Of course, the expectations of citizens, uh, this is also different. Today, I can say that the situation is vastly improved. Uh, when I started or when I joined the government in 2015 or early, even late 2014, I mean, GX was something that you could say off of your lips, but nobody actually knew what uh, what you were talking about. I think we have grown accustomed to you know these these really comfortable uh, user centric applications and private sector companies. So we benchmark the government services against these different companies, like we were saying or you were saying on the film as well. That uh, you compare or benchmark yourselves to retail, for example. I don't know if it's the, it's the most reasonable thing to do but we do it psychologically it's a, it's an understandable thing yeah. so in these 5 years what i've seen is a kind of major leap in governments admitting first that uh, they couldn't improve and then actually taking some course to improve yeah. that's also you know different kinds of steps that you as a government have to take in estonia's example i think we and we've shared this a lot with the arab emirates for example who I'm very fascinated always about their different ministries, uh, the Ministry of uh, Possibilities and the Ministry of Happiness, you know, to actually measure your users, your citizens are your users, to measure the happiness level and to provide them with services and, and to have a data analytic component behind it. So we have learned a lot in Estonia from that. And we have implemented, for example, a net promoter score for e-residency services uh, back in the day. And our benchmark 
was not other governments, but our benchmark was, you know, Apple, the telecommunication companies, you know, the service companies that, that you use daily. And I think this is, the, the governments are taking a little bit more ownership these days because the people are speaking out. Now, with all of the COVID situation, I think that has catalyzed the general let's say, e-government adoption that Estonia and, and a few other governments were the ones, you know, for the past 10 years going about and saying that you, you have to digitize your government and you have to start offering some services digitally because that's where the people are going to be. But most of the other governments, you know, back then were just like, oh yeah, that's it's just this little Estonia who is doing that and let them do that. And, you know, we are fine. The citizens are fine. There is no problem. And now we're seeing that, you know, life actually stopped in a lot of countries for example in european commission where you know you were pushing around carts that were full of paper and uh, work stopped literally because people couldn't do it anymore and everything was you know so physical based so i think these two societal changes or changes in in our world today have catalyzed the adoption of digital services and making better services for citizens so we're in a good state I think people are realizing, but it can only get better. Amazing. Let's talk about let's talk about a couple of things. And I know we have very limited time with you today. And let's talk about a couple of things. This is so government services related. COVID-19, right? COVID-19 has been out there for a year. Vaccinations are happening. Whatever is happening. And everybody's trying to figure out the next normal, the new normal. One of the things that is happening right now is Denmark, Iceland uh, and many other countries have started issuing these digital COVID-19 passports. And if somebody has an app, you've got a QR code, you can scan it and you can tell the entire history of whether you've had COVID, you've had a vaccination, so on and so forth. What is your outlook on the rollout of something like that? Not just locally. I personally think it's very easy to do it at a country level, at a local level, but the world is shut down right now. Global travel is shut down. What about doing it internationally? So two different things. What do you think about rolling out a service like that and how would it work? And then secondly, at a global level, what, what could we do? Well, I do think that in an ideal world where all of the governments would agree with each other and there would be no self-interest involved and we would think just for the common good of the general world, it could work. And technology can actually serve as a very efficient vehicle in securing vaccinations. You know, we in Estonia have developed something called a vaccine passport, yeah. where, you know, it, on blockchain technology, it is actually verified that you have been vaccinated. So it's kind of your proof where you can go to a different country and you can show that, you know, you should be safe or at least you're not carrying the, That's the disease. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So has Estonia already developed it and it's on blockchain? Yes, we have done it. And uh, now... Estonia, again, with its 1.3 million people, as I mentioned, for the past uh, past five years, we can talk about all the cool uh, technological innovations that we want, but uh, we cannot force Germany or, or UK or France to actually adopt it, unfortunately. Right. Right. Numerous reasons behind it, but to answer your question, yes, it should be. There should be some kind of unified system or at least systems that would connect with each other. I think we will start to see some kind of vaccination passporting services, but I am afraid that unfortunately they will be printed out you know, from a PDF document, maybe even stamped because just some of the jurisdictions and historical reasons for that. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I think, the biggest challenge right now with unifying global government services is to really get that consensus across the world. And it's 
it's easy if everybody understands and they know what's at stake and whatnot. But it's also very difficult because you're dealing with, you know, 100, 200, 300, 200 different countries. And, you know, going back in time, uh, whenever the world came together and created the passport, the document that is that looks the same everywhere, it's got the same identifiers and all of that. I, I think some effort like that needs to take place where we could all just have, you know, kind of unify some part of these government services that make our lives much more easier. Amazing. I love it. I love it. What is the future of government services? Or where should governments, progressive governments, look when planning the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? What's your outlook on it? What do you think? Well, I guess my outlook is based on our, our experience in, in Estonia and, and what we would like the government service to be is predicted that uh, I do not have to ask for the services myself because my government or my public administration is actually aware already what is going to happen because a logical uh, you know, life events that uh, you're going to have a child, you have to put him or her to the kindergarten. They will ask you know, for which one, which school, which university and all of these kind of very logical steps uh, we are moving towards it but there are a lot of let's say sensitive data issues involved and again I think we could achieve it in Estonia but um, in a bit more conservative countries I think there will be a lot of resistance and in certain cultures for example which is an interesting finding is that uh, some generations also find these interactions with government and public administrators as form of socializing. They actually use this as an opportunity to talk to people, uh, to exchange information, and they definitely do not want a digital technology interfering with their uh, socialization, for example. So I think we have to take that into consideration as well. But um, all in all, I think everything will go very smoothly and app-based and they will predict the life events and we will all hopefully be as happy as Emirati citizens with, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. the happiness ministry. Absolutely. And measuring constant happiness level. I think this is super important. We are not doing that in Estonia, unfortunately. Yet. Yeah. I think there's pockets of that. In Denmark, they're, they're doing a little bit of that and there's studies and, uh, and everything else happening in, with respect to the happiness index there's an index and they and they track it so uh, the new project that i'm involved with currently um, future city of prosper as we call it which is actually it is kind of a free market zone or a free economic zone and there our main value also is to have the people involved there to have worthy jobs that pay them much more than their average salary you know, jurisdiction in Central America would pay, uh, which would connect them to global organizations who could actually afford a much more specialists from that region. So it would be kind of connecting these two dots that need connection. And there we also plan to measure the NPS, the happiness level of the both, both sides of the coin, so to say. Excellent. Oh, where can we find uh, more about your organization right now uh, that you just mentioned? It sounds very interesting. It is something that is popping up in, in different jurisdictions now in the world. So what I'm involved with, I'm currently the managing director of eProspera. Yeah. And Prospera is a prosperity hub, as we call it, that is being launched in Central America, in the uh, country of Honduras, on the island of Roatan. Yeah. So currently you can find the information, the best information at prospera.hn. We are very close to launching eProspera also in the next couple of months. 
And basically what you can do is that you can become an e-resident or a resident of this prosperity hub. You can create a company, a virtual one or a physical one, and you can transact with very favorable economic conditions. It's basically a free economic zone, very similar to what Dubai has been, Hong Kong has been, Singapore has been. So the inspiration comes from there. But the idea there is to give prosperity to the locals uh, as well as just to serve interests of big national or multinational companies. And I'm assuming, uh, and I think you alluded to it as well, that it'll be a digital, digitally driven zone or the project is a very digitally driven. So I'm assuming all services will be digital. There'll be very little paperwork. Is that correct? We cannot eliminate paperwork fully because we are still governed by the central government of Honduras. So it is a special zone with its own tax laws and, uh, and business laws. But we still have to register the companies under Honduras you know, business registry regulation, which means we also have to have some paper documents uh, yes. registered. But the idea is to significantly change how business is done in Central America. Okay, excellent. Hey, that sounds... Very exciting, and we'll definitely check it out. So, you have, so Prospera.hn sounds like an exciting project. Oth, I cannot thank you enough for being part of GX Now, the documentary, which is out now on Amazon. You can also view it on YouTube, Vimeo, and other video-on-demand platforms. Thank you for being part of this project, and we look forward to chatting with you again very shortly. Thank you, and always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Oth. Thank you. Thank you.